Hello, friends. As I was reminiscing, I'm always thinking and reminiscing, particularly as I am in the midst of writing a book, my first book. I thought about what led me to the place of seeing people and things through rose-colored glasses? What were some of the foundational experiences, formative years experiences? And the rose-colored glasses perspective came after my desperate need for friendship, my desperate need for a sense of family, my desperate need to communicate, to talk, release, express. So rose-colored glasses, prior to that is the need to express the desperate need for family and friends. Prior to that is the question, or how did that happen, right? How did I develop, why did I develop that need by any means necessary, befriending people that staying in friendships or befriending people, even though my gut, there's something that feels funny about our interaction or off-putting, or they've said some things that really and truly I should address or stand up for myself on. And it hit me. The reason why those things happened, the reason why I chose to see people through rose-colored glasses or fell into it unknowingly, subconsciously, without being cognizant of the behavioral pattern. During my formative years, so I was told, let me go back a bit more, I was told that I went to live with my abuelita in Central America, Panama, when I was one month old. And that I traveled back and forth. However, my earliest memory is in Panama. And for new parents out there, please know that a child's memory, and you may know this already, of course, but please be reminded that a child's memory can go back at three years old. And we already know that things begin in the womb, this miracle, this phenomenon called human life, spiritual beings having a human experience and growing in the womb, that there is an understanding and a connection made. That's why Mothers should be treated with the utmost love and care while pregnant. Mothers should treat themselves with the utmost love and care while pregnant. And that is a a podcast that I definitely wish to explore. Um, And the reason why we know this in terms of caring for the baby in the womb by what we eat what we feed ourselves, literally what we feed our bodies, what we feed our souls spiritually, what we feed our minds. That's why dads talk to the womb, right? Mothers play music, or put, you know, headphones by the womb, by the, um, on the tummy or just listen to music, keeps the vibration high because 
we don't know and and I'm going to sign I am going to look this up so that I can have this stat the next time I actually verbalize this but what I do understand with my limited scientific understanding is that the feeling that a child and the energy that a child is surrounded by in the womb plays a, a, a important role in who that child becomes, what that child brings with them, joy, sadness, and so on, right? That, so anyway, I'm belaboring this point. My point is my earliest memory is between three and five years old. And I was very quiet, not necessarily because I wanted to be, but because I lived with my abuelita, again in Panama, my parents were 23 years old and they were trying to figure out their own lives, right? They were trying to figure out their own lives. And from what I can tell about my parents, they didn't know each other very well, they were young and they were in trouble themselves, just emotionally and mentally coming from abuse. My mom came from abuse and my dad had issues that would, that started rearing its head early in life. So, and my grandmother was a quiet woman who smoked her Oh, what did she smoke? I don't think it was Newports or Marlboros. It might have been Camel something. But anyway, she smoked her cigarette. She drank her beer. And she was extremely quiet. And, um, you know, she she was a tough cookie. They called her Kid Chocolate, actually. And um, kind of giving her the name of a boxer. She was a shapely woman with a big derriere. And, but she was real tough and real guarded. So that translated to her communication with me. She was a bit rough. Um, and I remember being nervous because of, and I said this in another podcast, but it bears repeating. It's worth repeating again. I was a very slow-moving, gracious, graceful young lady in my memory. And my the first time that I recall being scarred, and I'm actually reading a book by Dr. Bobby Price. Please look him up. Life Life is My Guru is a title and it's a workbook and it asks us questions like this. You know, what's your first uh, traumatic experience? And for me, my grandmother was teaching me how to sweep and I was doing it slowly and, you know, happy to do it. 
and she snatched it, um, made a, a negative comment about, you know, how in how slow I was moving. And from that moment on, and then piling on other experiences, it made me a nervous wreck. And it made me very uncomfortable to, or I became a child who was very uncomfortable being herself because herself is someone who speaks slowly, who takes her time, who moves slowly and enjoys that. I was, I was literally enjoying what I was doing. And I was told by a very stoic, serious, borderline mean person, energy, that the way I was being was not right, not appropriate, not efficient, not proficient. <laughs> you know, I, my very being wasn't good enough. And that has stayed with me until my very big age. So the quietness of it all, primarily, created a deep desire for me to have connection. It was a desperate desire to have connection with other human beings, to be able to experience love without the stress of judgment and criticism and words of, you know, condemnation for just the person that you are. And it also caused me to overlook energies and behavioral patterns that didn't feel right to me because I knew what it felt like from that experience. And then I had multiple experiences after that with my parents. I know what it feels felt like. I knew what it felt like to be, to not be given a chance. I wasn't given a chance to show that I could do it or just to be me. So when people will, energies would rear their ugly heads and, you know, I gave people chances and that's okay. But what wasn't, what, what isn't and was never okay was not addressing it, not, not taking a pause from my particular cause, which was something doesn't feel right. I feel uncomfortable right now. So let me just pause this conversation or what you just said hit me and it doesn't feel right. Can you, can you elaborate on that? Can you repeat that for me, please? So I'm clear that I understand what you're saying and what your intentions are. I didn't do any of that. I did not do any of that. I just put on the rose colored glasses and I, of course, as a human, if it happens again and again and again, then you know, at some point, for me, sometimes it was decades later, 
I eventually removed myself from the energy of that person. And and the older I, I got, the wiser I got, the more important it became for me to protect my peace and to no longer allow myself to be in discomfort. But discomfort was my norm. I was uncomfortable. My grandmother was a stranger because even though she took care of me, she didn't really talk to me. She didn't connect with me. So she was a stranger. That was uncomfortable. I stayed away from my parents for so long that when I, it was time for me to go to kindergarten and my abuelita uh, took me back to Brooklyn, I didn't even recognize my mom. And then it didn't help that she had gained weight because she was pregnant with my brother. So it changed her features. Not that anything is wrong with that, but it didn't help my memory because I couldn't remember what my mother looked like looked like and then on top of that there was no connection when we connected there was no bond between my parents and I so therefore again I spent my younger years into my older years looking for a mom figure looking for a mom connection looking for a love paternal parental rather um, and perhaps paternal connection. So that allowed me to attract and stay with and be, and have lethal loyalty and toxic tolerance. These are not phrases that I coined, but they describe my situations to a T. It allowed me to have lethal loyalty and toxic tolerance as I wore my rose-colored glasses proudly. <laughs> I wore those glasses for years and I had toxic tolerance and lethal loyalty for years, all because in that one room home of my grandmother in Panama, where there was barely any conversation, barely any communication, it developed a need for me to speak, to be heard, later to share, to mentor, to uplift, to inspire, to tell my story. It created the storyteller in me. But before that, it was, I firmly believe, it was the reason why I shared my story with people who didn't earn the right to hear my story. I told my truth to people who didn't earn the right to be told my truth. Because I didn't realize how valuable I and my truth were. There's someone in my life who I love beyond words. He's a little person and he lives his life in a bubble because of health reasons. And while his mother is a better communicator than I was as a mother during his formative years, as he's coming out of his formative years, it is my prayer, it is my duty to observe 
him as he grows older because I already see and I saw in him years ago the need for love and community and friendships and how how loving and kind he was, just like I was. How open and how dangerous that could be because sadly, we live in a world filled with hate, dysfunction, ill will. So this little person will need to be protected. This little person will need his the people who really love him to rally around him and give him that love, that unconditional love and support and teachings so that he doesn't fall into the trap of lethal loyalty, toxic tolerance, and while wearing rose-colored glasses. I hope this feeds some aspect of your soul. And I hope you got something from this story. Peace and love until next time.